Isaiah chapter 58, verse 13 and 14 will be our text this morning. The word of the Lord says this. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, going not your own ways, and seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So the question I have for you guys, for you saints, is what is this day all about? What is this day all about? Uh, For this day, for many Christians, is Resurrection Sunday. Officially, Resurrection Sunday. As if every Sunday isn't Resurrection Sunday. But this day in particular is Resurrection Sunday. A day that that has been set aside for the sole purpose of looking back at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For others, this day is Easter. In fact, as a child, this was number three on my list of favorite holidays of the year. Behind my birthday and Christmas, as a child, I loved Easter. It's a day that's filled with family gatherings, good food, and of course, Easter egg hunting. It's also a day for many people to pay respect and attend church. The common tradition for many unbelievers is to attend church either out of two times out of the year. Uh, usually, unbelievers will attend church either on Easter slash resurrection service or the Christmas service. For many, this is a special day. One sees it as the day that reminds us of Christ's resurrection and the other sees it as family day, Easter egg day. Here's another question, saints. How are we to observe this day? So what is this day all about? And how are we to observe this day? Meaning after the morning service, until the evening service, and after the evening service, how are we to keep the day holy? What are the things that we are allowed to do? And what are the things that we are not allowed to do on this day? And saints, I understand for many of you, the question of how are we to observe the Sabbath has probably never entered your mind. The question of what are the things we are allowed to do and what are the things we are not allowed to do on the Sabbath at first here might seem strange. And the reason is because many of us have grown up understanding that the only thing that I'm required to do on Sunday is go to church. We've all grown up hearing that all that God requires of me on Sunday is that I must gather with the saints. That's all I need to do. And as long as I do that, as long as I go to church, then I have the rest of the day to do whatever I want. Many of you believe that as long as you make it to church Sunday morning, then activities such as shopping, catching a movie and things alike are permissible because I've done my religious duty. I've set my time aside to worship God. I used to believe that. 
And I'm sure the majority of Christians across this world believe that. I'm sure many of you believe that. But saints, like all things that we believe, we must test our beliefs. We must test our beliefs in light of what scripture says, in light of our traditions, a lot of how we've grown up. We must test is what we believe aligned with what God says and what God believes. We must ask ourselves first, what is this day all about? And then second, has God only required us to attend church on Sunday? We must ask, is the Lord's day really that special? Then ask, has God given us freedom to do whatever we want on the Sabbath as long as we attend church? Saints, those are the questions that we will consider this morning in our time together. Today will not be the typical sermon on the resurrection of Christ uh, that so many preachers across this land will preach. Today's sermon will be about the Sabbath. Today's sermon will be about the Sabbath. However, it's, it's ironic because any sermon about the Sabbath is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, you might ask, why a sermon on the resurrection or why a sermon on the Sabbath when everyone is teaching on the resurrection of Christ? I think it's important that we once again look at the doctrine of the Lord's Day Sabbath because it's a day that many have taken for granted. And it's a day as today that many hold special, but all for the wrong reasons. And today, saints, we want to refocus our minds and our thoughts to what this day is really about. What this, the significance of this day is really about. And what are the things that we are to do on this day? You might say in your set, uh, in your head, well, haven't we heard enough talk about the Lord's Day Sabbath? I mean, Pastor Antonio did five years on the doctrine of the Sabbath. It was really like maybe five months, four, five weeks, five weeks, six weeks, something like that. Uh, the men during the race have gone over uh, why John MacArthur's view of the Sabbath is wrong. So why all this Sabbath talk? Shouldn't we just be done with the Sabbath and all things pertaining to the Sabbath? Friends, if that's you, then my question is, are you tired of hearing sermons about creation and man's fall? If you've heard enough about the Sabbath, then my question to you is, are you tired of hearing sermons about the person and work of Jesus Christ? Are you, if you're tired of hearing sermons about the Sabbath, then you must be tired about hearing about the resurrection of Christ. And if you're tired of hearing sermons about the Sabbath, then you must be tired of hearing sermons about what heaven will be like. Saints, if you can't stand another sermon about the Sabbath, then you must have been tired. You must now uh, be tired of hearing about the gospel. Now, I'm not saying that the doctrine of the Sabbath is like the gospel. However, the doctrine of the Sabbath reminds us and points us to the gospel. A right understanding of the Sabbath helps us live a life in light of the gospel. The gospel is vital to the, or the, the Sabbath and understanding the Sabbath and, and observing the Sabbath rightly is vital to the Christian life. It's vital in our sanctification. And saints, if I can be honest, as one of the elders of this church, as one who keeps watch over your soul, none of us, including myself, have a high enough view of the Lord's day. We all miss this mark. None of us observe the day the way we ought to. And none of us see the day as significant as we ought to. And if there's ever a time that we needed to be reminded of what the Lord's Day Sabbath is all about, 
that it's on the day that everyone deems so special. So saints, this morning I have three points that will help guide us. Number one, the significance of the Sabbath. Number two, how are we to observe the Sabbath? And number three, the blessings of the Sabbath. Number one, the significance of the Sabbath. Number two, how are we to observe the Sabbath? And number three, the blessings of the Sabbath. And saints, this morning as we go through our sermon, I challenge you to challenge your traditions. I challenge you to challenge your beliefs. I challenge you to challenge everything that you've thought about this day and everything that you think you are allowed to do on this day. I challenge you this morning. Um, so let's look at the first point, the significance of the Sabbath. And quick, quick note, my wife is holding herself because she's freezing. Can we turn the air down just a little bit? Uh, that would be great. The significance of the Sabbath. Saints, why is the Christian Sabbath this day? And when I say Christian Sabbath, I mean Lord's Day. And when I mean Lord's Day, I mean the Sabbath. So why is the Christian Sabbath so important to the Christian's life? And why should we hold it in such high regard? In our text this morning, the Lord, through the prophet Isaiah, rebukes the Israelites for their dead religion. Israel was on the verge of going into captivity. But before then, the Lord addresses their heart attitude toward God. You see, Israel, specifically Judah, were only obeying God, uh, only obeying what God commanded in order to manipulate God into giving them what, or giving, giving them what they wanted. Their seeking and delighting in God is all hypocrisy. Because they show no evidence of godliness and righteousness. They're fasting, but they're fasting in an unworthy manner. The Sabbath has now become a ritual religious duty to them. Their obedience to God has turned into external religious rituals with with no heart in it. And this is the story of Israel. The Lord in verses 3 to 12 uh, convicts their hypocrisy in fasting. Then in verses 13 through 14, God turns his attention from the false fasting to the people's neglect of his Sabbath command. The Lord here not only is speaking to Israel, but he's also speaking to us who live under the new covenant. Verse 13, Isaiah 58 says, of Isaiah 58 says, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, First and foremost, God reminds Israel that the Sabbath, that this day is a holy day. Two times in this verse, God refers to the Sabbath as a holy day. But notice God calls the Sabbath my holy day. The Sabbath is not just a holy day, but it's God's holy day. God's holy day. And in that statement, God is reminding Israel, as well as ourselves, of the Sabbath And its origins. The Sabbath didn't originate in the giving of the law under the Mosaic Covenant. Meaning the Sabbath wasn't first introduced at the same time the Ten Commandments were introduced. But rather the Sabbath finds its origins at the creation of the world. Genesis 2, 1 through 3 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from his, all his work that he had done in creation. 
So here we see that after God finished his work of creation, on the seventh day, he enters into his work of enthronement. On the seventh day, God rests from his labors. Or we can say God's Sabbath on the seventh day. God enters into his eternal rest as a sign of the rest that Adam could enter if he kept the stipulations of the covenant of works. The creator's Sabbath rest is the goal that Adam was to obtain. But we know that Adam failed in that goal. But the seventh day was a special day for it commemorated God's finished work of creation. Then in Genesis 2, 3, we read, God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So not only does God rest on the seventh day, but he blesses the day and he calls it holy. And saints, when God calls something holy, he separates it for a unique purpose. There's a reason why God called the seventh day holy. There's a reason why God separated the seventh day from the rest of the six days. By blessing and hallowing the day, God separates the seventh day, hear this, from its common use and separates it for a sacred use. God separates the seventh day from the rest of the six days for a unique and special purpose. This day was instituted by God for a unique and special purpose. And that unique and special purpose is for us, saints, to rest and worship God. That's the purpose of the day, to worship God. God establishes a Sabbath for us to rest from our work, just as he rested from his work, for the sole purpose of us worshiping him as creator and ruler. Every Sabbath day, Israel was to worship God by resting and looking back at the finished work of God in creation. It was a good thing for Israel. And as we move through redemptive history, the Sabbath was heightened in its significance after the Exodus. Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15 says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you should do no, no any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well. In verse 15, you shall remember that you are a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. So here we see that the Sabbath was to remind the people of Israel of the time. When God brought them out of the slavery and bondage of Egypt and defeated Pharaoh and his armies. Every Sabbath day, Israel was to remember the finished work of God. Not only in creation, but bringing them out of Egypt and redeeming them. The Sabbath, saints, was to be a joy to Israel, not a burden. It was to remind them of the good things that God has done for them. A day when they could rest from their labors and look back at what God has brought them out of. But saints, the meaning of the Sabbath doesn't stop there. Not only did the Sabbath point Israel back at creation and redemption, but it also pointed them forward to someone who would bring them consummate rest. The redemption out of Egypt that Israel was to look back on was only a shadow of the redemption Christ would bring us out of. Israel longed for a day when their Sabbath rest would would not be a shadow of the things to come, 
But, but they long for the day when the, the reality would, would, would be certain. When the substance of that shadow would come. And we see the inauguration of that consummate rest in the person and work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ does what Adam was supposed to do. To, that is, he lives the life of total obedience to the law of God. Jesus Christ takes the curse of Adam that all peoples are under and he places it upon himself on a cross. Christ dies and is buried. But on the third day, Sunday morning, Christ rises from the grave. He walks out of the grave as a victorious savior. Jesus rises on the first day, signifying that the old creation has passed away and a new creation is upon us. That consummate Sabbath rest that was shadowed in the old covenant has now become a reality in the new by the person and work of Jesus Christ. And saints, every year between March 22nd and April 25th is not the time when we are to look back at the resurrection of Christ as so many churches are doing today. But every Sunday, every Sunday we're to look back at the resurrection of Christ. Friends, this is not resurrection Sunday officially, but this is the Christian Sabbath. That points us back to the resurrection of Christ. Today is not more special because the world says that it is. This Sunday is not more sanctified because the world says that it is. It's not more holy because the world says that it is. Or because the Pope said that it was long ago. Do your history. This day is special because God says that it's special. Today is not Easter. Nor is it officially Resurrection Sunday. Today is the Christian Sabbath. Today is the Lord's day. This day is different from the rest of the six days. For this is God's holy day. Not yours and not the world's. Not family's holy day. It's God's holy day. This is the day that God set apart. And this is the day that Christ rose from the dead. This is the day that confirms to you, saints, that your soul is well. That the grave was empty. And your justification in Christ alone is secured because he walked out of the grave. The Sabbath, therefore, is a special day to God. And likewise, it should be treated as a special day to man. This day reminds us, saints, that victory has been won. This day reminds us that we do not have to earn a perfect standing before a holy God. For one who is perfect has come on our behalf and has earned it for us. This day reminds us that we are no longer enemies of God, but on the account of Jesus Christ alone and in faith in him alone, we are sons and daughters of Christ. Saints, this day is no ordinary day, but oh, how we treat it like an ordinary day. In light of God calling this his holy day, we treat this day as if this is just an extended Saturday or an extended Friday. Many of you treat the Sabbath like Israel treated the Sabbath in our text this morning as simply a religious duty. And church is simply a religious uh, duty that we do in order that we may gain something from God. May God forgive us. May God forgive us in our lack of observing the day the way we are to observe it and honoring the day and acknowledging the day the way God has acknowledged the day. Saints, this day... And the things that we do on this day is of utmost significance. It's a day that finds its origins in creation. And its significance is heightened by the resurrection of Christ. This day is a holy day for holy use. In our text this morning, God is reminding Israel as well as us 
that the Sabbath day is to be set apart from Saturday, from Friday, and from the rest of the days. It's a sacred day that God has deemed holy. And saints, as we close this point, my question I have for you is, do you want to be more like Christ? Do you want to be more like Jesus Christ? And if we did a poll, I'm sure 100% of us would say, we want to be more like Jesus Christ. And if you say yes, if that is you, then my answer to you is how holy do you consider the Sabbath day? You say you want to be more like Jesus Christ. Well, then how holy do you consider the Sabbath day? Because the one who we all want to be more like is the very same one who said in this text, this is my holy day. This is Christ's holy day. Do you echo the words of God in this, in this passage? Do you consider the Lord's Day Sabbath holy? And then if you do, how holy? Just morning and evening holy? Or the entire day holy? Which leads us to our second point. How are we to observe the day? How are we to, how are we to observe this day? Because the Sabbath is a holy day, a day that is unique and set apart by God, we must view the day as a special day, as a holy day. And in light of what God commands us, uh, and in light of what God commands us to honor the day and treat the day uh, like we should not treat the other days, we have to ask ourselves, how are we to treat the day? How are we to honor the day? What, has God given us guidelines to how we are to observe the day? What's God's requirement? Has God given us any requirements? And indeed he has. Consider again verse 13 in our text. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly. Now there's a few things that this verse is telling us concerning the Sabbath. First, God is telling us, uh, that the entire Sabbath day is to be observed. That the entire day is to be observed. Meaning, worshiping God publicly with the saints and on the Lord's day does not encompass our Sabbath observance. Meaning, we don't just observe the Sabbath morning, do what we want to do, and then come back and observe the Sabbath in the evening time. We don't honor God only on Sunday morning, but we honor God throughout the entire day, both publicly and privately. The entire day is to be given to God. Yes, because it's a moral day or more, uh, it's a holy day and we should treat it as such, but it's a moral law. The Sabbath is a moral law of God. The Sabbath is a part of the fourth commandment or the ten commandments and is the, and it is the fourth commandment. Uh, commandment number four. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The Ten Commandments are the best summarization of God's moral law. It reflects God's unchanging, righteous, and holy character. The Ten Commandments set forth the universally binding moral law of God. And all peoples are to keep God's moral law because God has written the moral law in all people's hearts. Everyone knows that stealing, murder, and committing adultery is wrong. Why? Because those commandments are written on their hearts. And just as those commandments are written on man's hearts, 
The command to keep the Sabbath holy is written on every man's heart. Therefore, we are commanded to keep the entire day. We are to honor the day as holy and observe the day. Why? Because it's a moral law. It's moral in its character. The second thing God is doing in this verse is giving us commands of what we are not to do on the day. Of what we are not to do on the day. He sets forth the requirements of the day in a negative and conditional form. So what are we not allowed to do on this day? Well, God tells us. He says, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight. If you honor it, not going your old ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly. Let's just break this down. What is God saying to Israel as well as us? Well, simply put, God is saying that this day, Sunday, is not about you. The Lord's day is not about you and what you want to do. He first says, if you turn your foot from the Sabbath, the NASB translation says it this way. If because of the Sabbath, you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day. Or the NIV says it this way. If you keep your foot or your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day. John Gill rightly says that this text means from walking and working on the day from or withdrawest thy mind and affections from all worldly things. If there's any if there's any uh, point in which people say, I cannot get with this whole Sabbatarian thing, it's this point right here. God is saying you must withdraw your foot and turn your back from all worldly things that you pleasure. Turning back your foot is turning away from everything that you could be doing on the Sabbath to everything that you should be doing on the Sabbath. It's turning your foot from the errands you need to run or the quiz you need to study for on Monday or the chores you have to do. It's saying no to the desires of our flesh and to these worldly desires that we all have. And it's saying yes to what God pleases. Well, to yes to what pleases God. It's saying no to our wants and yes to what God says that we are to do. But notice how God uses the word pleasure in two different ways. First, he says we should turn back our foot from doing our own pleasure and seeking our own pleasure. Not only are we to not do our own pleasure, but we, not, we can't even think about doing our own pleasure. Saints, but what does it mean not to do our own pleasure? Well, it does not mean not to sin. Mind you, we should all strive not to sin. But in the context, it means not to do that which is contrary to God's design for the Sabbath. God's design for the Sabbath is we are to worship him. The pleasure that is forbidden on the Sabbath are those things that do not worship the Lord. Six days we have the opportunity to participate in our pleasure. Six days we have opportunities to participate in whatever we want to do. Whether that be working, working out, shopping, going out of town, going to the movies, going to uh, the new hot restaurant. Those are the things that bring us joy and pleasure. And those are the things that God has given to us uh, to do six days out of the week. And here in our context, God says to turn ourselves away from those things on this day. 
turn yourself away from working out, away from shopping, away from going out of town, going to the movies, going to various restaurants. You do those things on your own time. You give to God on the Sabbath his time. Now you might say, let's just pump the brakes on the sermon. Are you saying, Isaiah, that I can't go out to shop on the Lord's day? And are you saying that I can't even go to a restaurant? It's meaningless. And saints, to ease your your comfort and your minds, that's not what I'm saying. That's what God's saying. This is not the invention of men. This is from the very mouth of God. This is not my idea. This is not some reformed tradition. This is biblical. This is orthodoxy. This is what it means to be a Christian. Keep the Sabbath and observe it holy. This day we are to occupy ourselves with worshiping God and not worshiping ourselves. We are to worship the creator instead of worshiping those who have created things for us to pleasure in. We are not to engage in recreational activities on the Lord's day. Not because going to watching a movie is sinful in and of itself. And not because going shopping is sinful in and of itself or going to, you know, in and out is sinful in and of itself. Well, it can be because it's so good, but it's not sinful in and of itself. But those things, saints, doing those things on God's holy day, take us away from the better things that God has given us the freedom of time to do on the Sabbath. God says we are to turn our foot from doing our own pleasure and seeking our own pleasure. Sunday is not the day when we take the family out to go fishing or to go hunting or out of town. Nor is it the day when we are to go to our little kid's basketball game or his little t-ball game. Sunday is not intended for that. Nor should we miss church to go participate in those things. You should never miss church to participate in family time or even some sports time or whatever. The day is not intended for that. Sunday is not the day when you go eat at your favorite restaurant or catch the new hot movie at the theater. You do those things Monday through Saturday, anytime you want. Early in the morning, in the midnight hours of the night. But you give to God on Sunday what's properly his. You give him your time. Because Christ gave you his time. And saying Sunday morning... And Sunday evening is not just God's time. Right now we're on God's time, but then at 12 o'clock, God's time ends. And then our time begins. Me time begins. And then we pick it back up at 5 o'clock until 6.30. Then we give God his time. The entire Sabbath day is God's time. And just as we are not to do our own pleasure on the Sabbath, we should not even think about doing our own pleasure on the Sabbath. Our minds on the Sabbath should be focused on God the entire day, not just during service. This is not the only the time when you are to look at the better things of head and, and meditate on Christ. But you meditate on Christ the entire day. And our minds should not wander into wanting to do the things that we want to do on the Sabbath. Again, because it's God's day, not our own day. Friends, God has graciously given you six days to do that. And I'm emphasizing, he has graciously given you six days to do whatever you want. He shouldn't give you no days. Every day should be a Sabbath to the Lord. Every day you should observe the entire day. 
and worship him and honor him. But he's given you six days. Six days. And he's given himself only one day. He's given himself only one day. So we can turn from all the things that we could be doing and turn to him and seek him and delight in him. One day, saints. And we get so caught up into everything that the world is doing on Sunday. And saints, one day, God is going to judge the world for disobeying his fourth commandment. Do not be a part of that judgment. We get so caught up in, it's Super Bowl Sunday. It's Easter. Saints, those are tests of our faith. Those days are tests of our faith when the whole world is observing their worldly things. That is your test to see, will you honor the God on his day? Will you delight in him on his day? Will you turn from your pleasures? And I could, I could be frank, all of us are going to fail today. Many of you are going to fail today. How do I know that? Because many of you failed on Super Bowl Sunday. Many of you failed. Many of you stay, and many of you are going to stay home this evening so you can paint Easter eggs and look for Easter eggs and have family time. Saints, today is your test. Today is your test. Hear my warning this morning. Today is your test to turn from your traditions and turn from your beliefs and obey God and his word. Now, saints, if that's, if that's you, if you will not heed to my warning, if you will not heed to God's warning, if you will just do what you want on this day, on this, quote, Easter Sunday, my question is, do you even love God? Honestly, do you even love God? The actions show what your heart desires. And if you say, well, of course I love God, then why don't you obey him? Why don't you obey him if you love him? It's interesting that the people who say who love God's word the most struggle the most to obey God's word one bit. The ones who say, I love God, I'll do anything for God. Well, let's see when your faith is put to test. We'll see when the whole entire world is observing the Lord's day in an unworthy manner, what will you be doing? Where will you be at? Friends, if you really want to know and feel like, if you really want to know and feel what it feels like to deny yourself, I challenge you to turn from your pleasures on the Sabbath. I challenge you to turn from your pleasures on the Sabbath if you truly want to deny yourself. I challenge you to observe the Sabbath the way God has prescribed. And let's say, well, I'm going to do whatever I want in light of what you say. I'm going to go out to a restaurant today, and I'm going to go look for Easter eggs at 5 o'clock when there's evening service going on. I'm going to do whatever I want. Friends, when you go out to various places... When you go out to various establishments and businesses, believe it or not, what you are doing is you are amening and you are delighting in all those or with all those who break the Sabbath by working. 
you go out to a restaurant, you're telling all those who work at that restaurant, it's okay if you break the Sabbath. This is God's, this is a moral law. Therefore, it's binding on everyone. Everyone should obey this. Although they distort it, they should obey it. Again, the Sabbath is a moral law. Therefore, all peoples are bound to keep the Sabbath day holy. But if you, you're going out to a restaurant, then you're telling others, God's law doesn't matter. It's okay to break it. And again, it's interesting. Hear this, saints. It's interesting how we get so worked up when one murders another. We get so worked up when one murders another. I mean, we blast it on Facebook. We do all of these things. Or when one steals from another. Or when one commits adultery on their spouse. However, we wink and we turn our face when it comes to keeping the Sabbath. Why is that? Why is that? Is not the fourth commandment as moral as the commandment to steal, mortal covenant, and commit adultery? Is it not? We don't have a problem observing those things because if we get caught committing adultery, we get divorced. If we murder or someone or we steal something, we go to jail. If we disobey the fourth commandment, uh, no harm, no foul. God will forgive us. There's no consequences. I'm just breaking God's law. I'm just disobeying God. Nothing's going to happen, though. Don't let, your, your, don't let God's grace cause you to have a license to, to sin and delight in your sin. What a low view that we have of the fear of God, saints. And what a low view that we have of the Lord's day. Saints, observing the Sabbath, the way that he has prescribed, is what distinguishes us from the rest of the world. What sets you apart as a Christian? Yes, that you believe in Jesus Christ and have faith in him alone. But it's observing the Sabbath. It's keeping it holy. Observing the Sabbath rightly is what marks us out as the people of God. And God says, thirdly, that we are not to go our own ways. Meaning the Sabbath isn't meant for us to observe it any way that we want. We can't do whatever we want on this day. You don't have the authority to honor the Sabbath any way that you choose to. And saints, this challenges us, does it not? Right now, I'm sure you're being challenged. Because we think we're in control of our own lives. We want to be the ruler and sovereign in our own lives. And we want to set the terms on how we use the day. We want to set the terms on how we are to use our time on the Sabbath. Saints, we don't live under God's law slash our law. It doesn't work that way. We live under God's law. And this day has been given to us for a holy use. God has given us the Sabbath to rest and worship him. Now, when I say rest, many of us have taken that and run with it. You're not allowed to rest and then miss church. Don't oversleep and then miss church. That's not what rest means. The rest that we are talking about is not, a, is not a physical rest. It's a spiritual rest. I'm not saying taking a nap is bad, but don't abuse it. Don't abuse it. The rest of the Bible speaks of this spiritual rest, a heavenly rest. And as we engage in public and private acts of worship, our soul more and more rests in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And lastly, on the Sabbath day, God says that we are turn our foot from talking idly. I mean, this shouldn't just be for the Sabbath day. This should be for the rest of the six days as well. Because all of us have loose tongues, even me. Believe it or not. John Gill says, speaking idly, 
is not speaking such words or talking of such things as to relate of, to worldly affairs or the things of civil life, but walking in ways of the Lord, doing those things which are well-pleasing in his sight and conversing about spiritual and heavenly things. God says on the Sabbath, we are not to waste our words in talking about the world and its problems. Let the world deal with their problems on the Sabbath. Let's not talk about our jobs and our sports. And I'm not saying that we should be over spiritual and just talk about godly things. Because there are times when I could be saying, Brother Anthony, I've been praying for you, you know, for you getting a new job. How's, how's that been for you? That's okay. But what God is saying, don't let talking about work and sports and movies and restaurant totally take away from you talking about spiritual things. The Sabbath day is where our very words that we speak should reflect the occasion and the theme of the day. When you go on your birthday, you don't want to talk about nothing else but yourself. On your wedding anniversary, you don't want to talk about nothing else but your wedding, but your wedding, how it was back then, how it is now, how it's going to be in the future. Your talk reflects the occasion and the, and the theme. The Sabbath day is where we rest our minds from all worldly thoughts and we talk about the things of the Lord without any mental distractions. That's the key, guys. Not talking about these other things is to help us, to keep us, to keep us not distracted from, from what we should be talking about. The, the Sabbath day is where we rest our minds from all our worldly affairs and thoughts in order that we should keep the day holy the way God has called it to be holy. And saints, as we close this point, I know that many of the things that I said probably just went over your head. And probably you say, no matter what you say, I'm going to do what I want on this day. I know that many of the things that I said go against what the majority of Christians believe and goes against many of our traditions and how we currently observe the Lord's day. But in a lot of what I just said, saints, my, my challenge to you is, is one thing. And that is, I challenge you to obey God's word. I challenge you, as easy as it sounds, it's so hard to do. Because we ourselves get in the way. I challenge you to honor the entire day, not just morning and not just evening, but the entire day the way God has prescribed. Will you, saint, will you turn your foot from all worldly pleasures on this day? Will you do that? Ask yourself, saints, how badly do I desire to obey God and please him? And friends, if you obey God in keeping the entire Sabbath day holy, God promises you great blessings. Great blessings, which we are to turn to our last point, the blessings of the Sabbath. The blessings of the Sabbath. So far, we've seen in our text that God views the Sabbath as his holy day, and commands us to honor the entire day by not doing the things we normally do Sunday or Monday through Saturday. And lastly, in our text, we will see that if we obey God, if we obey his word, God promises to bless us. He promises to bless us. Look at verse 14, if you will. Then you shall take the light in the Lord 
and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God says that if you honor the day by keeping the entire day holy, you shall delight in the Lord. Is that not good news? Is that not wonderful, a wonderful blessing from the throne of grace? How many of you saints want to delight more in God? I'm sure all of you do. All of us. And here God says, observing the Sabbath by not doing your own pleasure is how we delight in the Lord. Essentially, if you want to truly delight in the Lord, then you must observe the Sabbath the way that God has prescribed. But what does God mean to take delight in the Lord? Well, it simply means to find your pleasure in God. Taking delight in the Lord is finding your finding God to be your supreme and, and ultimate treasure. It's delighting in all that God is. It's delighting in his perfections and how he's revealed himself to us. And saints, that's the reason why God says to us to turn our foot from our pleasure on the Sabbath. Because God, hear this, is infinitely better than our highest worldly pleasure. He's infinitely better than our worldly pleasures. God doesn't command us to to remove our pleasure on the Sabbath, only to leave us bored in our rooms. But rather, he bids us to seek a greater pleasure. He calls us to come up, son and daughter. To come up. Look over the mountain and see a pleasure that is far greater than you can ever imagine. And that's him. It's Christ. On the Sabbath, we are to leave behind the lesser pleasures of this world and reach for a higher pleasure. Jesus Christ. One commentator wrote, The delight or pleasure which God's people have in him is a direct and necessary consequence of the proper observance of the Sabbath. It is on that day set apart by his own authority for his own service that he chooses, hear this, to meet with his people on this day and to commune with them and bless them. And hear this, and no one ever properly observed the Sabbath who did not find as a consequence that he had augmented pleasure in his existence, the character and the servants of Yahweh. Let me break that down. Meaning no one who has ever properly observed the Sabbath walked away disappointed. No one in history has ever observed the Sabbath and walked away and said, that was boring. That was boring. I will never do that again. If you're a true Christian, I mean, if you're not saved and if you're lukewarm, then you might say that. But if you truly desire to seek God, you will not leave empty-handed. But you will be blessed. As the psalmist says, in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is your supreme treasure and pleasure? You see, saints, God doesn't burden us on the Sabbath, but he gives us a gift. The gift of himself. The ultimate gift. God doesn't rob us of our joy on the Sabbath, but rather he heightens our joy on the Sabbath. Saints, if you honor God's day by not going your own way, you will indeed not be disappointed, but you will commune with the risen and ascended Lord. Yet you will find him as your supreme and ultimate treasure and you will find delight in him. And saints, if you've come this morning struggling, 
If you've come struggling, finding true joy and pleasure in God. Observing the Sabbath rightly is your remedy. If you've come struggling in your sin, observing the Sabbath rightly is your medicine. Saints, rightly observing the Sabbath is our remedy for the struggles in our Christian life. You want to know what the remedy for broken marriages is? For indwelling sin is? Or various struggles in life is? It's not five-hour sessions with your elders. It's not reading more or praying more. It's observing the Sabbath. Because in that, you get to read more and pray more. Now, you might say, is not the remedy Christ? Isn't Christ the remedy for all our struggles in the Christian life? Well, yes, he is. And the Sabbath, properly observed, allows you to focus more on Christ. It allows you to focus more on Christ. And the more time we have to focus on Christ, the more we delight in Christ. What blessings. What a blessing that God has given to us on the Sabbath. God has not given us a burden, saints, but he's given us a day to delight in. As Christ says in Mark 2, 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God has given us a day as a gift, a day as as a blessing. The Puritans called the Sabbath the market day of the soul, meaning this day is where our souls come hungry. And Christ from heaven brings nourishment and refreshment to our souls. Through the means of grace of of hymn singing and prayer and the preached word and the Lord's Supper and fellowship, Christ through the Spirit spiritually works on his people. The Sabbath is where God is where from God's throne of grace showers blessings and they fall on the lap of his people. Friends, that is why the Sabbath should be the most exciting day of the week. Because we get to commune with God in a way that's unique from the other six days. We should orientate our week around the Lord's Day, saint. Our whole week should be focused on the Lord's Day, meaning that we should go to bed early on Saturdays. Many of you come, and you're struggling just to stay awake. Why? Because you go to bed late on Saturday, knowing that you're going to hear someone like me who's going to preach for an hour and you can't fully receive all the blessings that God intends to give you through the preached word because you're tired. Go to bed early so that you may be fully refreshed to honor the day. Buy your food the night before so you don't have to go out to eat. And amen those who are breaking the Sabbath. We should do our house chores and run our errands on Saturday in order to fully devote our entire time to God and worship and to our families. Husbands, many of you neglect your families because you just don't have time to be with your family. Sunday is a day where you can be with your family, worship with them, teach them, be with your wife, take a walk at the park, talk about God. And again, in honoring God on his day entirely, God promised that he will bless us and we will find delight in him. But as well as delighting in God on the Sabbath, if we honor God, uh, honor the day rightly, God says in verse 14, I will make you ride on the heights of the earth and I will feed you with the heritage of, your, of, of Jacob, your father. 
Simply put, saints, this is saying that the one who keeps God's holy day in his way, honoring it the way that God has prescribed, will find that God exalts that person and prospers him. God will set you on a high mountain. He will prosper you if you observe the day rightly. To the one who, to the one who honors his day in his way, God himself will grant fulfillment and satisfaction in his blessings. But saints, how do we know that God will bless us if we honor the day the way that he has prescribed? How do we know that he will indeed truly bless us? How do we know that if we turn our foot from our pleasures and delight in God and, and, and obey the Sabbath the way that he has prescribed, how do we know that all of what God says will come to pass? Our answer is found at the end of verse 14. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God seals all the blessings that he will bestow on his people if they keep his holy day with a promise. With a promise. From the very mouth of the one who cannot lie. Who cannot ever tell a lie. Who is faithful. He makes a promise to his people that if they obey the Sabbath, he will bless them. In closing, saints, my three questions I want to leave you with is this. Number one, will you echo the Lord's words and call the Sabbath day a delight? My question, will you echo the Lord's words and call the Sabbath day a delight? And will you call the Sabbath day holy? Will you view the Lord's day not the same way you view Saturday or Friday? But will you see the Sabbath as a unique and special day? A holy day that is written on man's hearts, instituted at creation, and brought to a greater significance at the resurrection of our Lord. Will you call the day holy? Number two, will you turn your foot from doing your own ways? Will you turn your foot from delighting in your own pleasure on the Lord's day. Will you do that? Saints, this challenges us more than anything because we want to do our own thing. We don't want to be told what we cannot do. But friends, when you remove all the things that you usually do six days of the week, look at the wonderful opportunity that you get to do on the Sabbath. All of you guys have not made it. All of us struggle with sin. We all need more time to pray. We all need more time to fellowship. We all need more time to read. We all need more time to privately worship God. God has given us that time in the Lord's Day Sabbath. Let us not approach Sunday by saying, let's see how much I can get away with this week. Instead, think, what blessings does God mean to give me in worship and rest on his holy day? The Sabbath is a day of blessing and delight, not a day of burden. And saints, don't allow your flesh or your worldly desires or your traditions to stop you from obeying God's word. Because many of you will do that. Take heed to what I'm saying and what God is saying this morning in his word and rightly observe the Sabbath. And lastly, number three, will you trust God at his word? Do you have enough faith to trust God's word and trust what he has said? That God has promised from his own mouth that if we turn our foot from the worldly things that we delight in, 
He will bless us. He will bless us. He will shower us with blessings. So saints, enjoy your Sabbath day. I'm not trying to wound you. I'm trying to encourage you. This is good for your soul. This is what should be said every Lord's Day Sabbath. If you're meeting with your family today, share Christ. Point to them the true significance and meaning of this day. It is not about eggs because there was no eggs in the tomb. It's about the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Honor it and obey God at his word. Let's pray.